Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. This is Liz Southern, Child Development Consultant with the Braille Institute. Tonight's topic is tips on how to decorate your home and your child's room to develop vision. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairment. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. And now I will hand it over to Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you very much, Liz. And I want to thank all of you for calling in this evening to listen. And special thanks also to Dr. Joe Yurka from Ayers LA who is recording this for us. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a subject that I personally think is just so interesting. And this was actually the topic of a lecture that really got me interested in working with children who had vision problems. And what we're talking about is vision development. Now, many of us, we don't necessarily think about the fact that vision of an infant is something that is developed. In other words, when a newborn baby is born, their level of vision is actually very blurred, where they really could only focus at a distance of about one foot away. They don't see colors, and they have difficulties changing the focus of their eyes. Well, there's an area in the area of visual science that is called developmental vision. And what they have actually done is that they have perform specialized tests that allows them to measure how much vision does a baby have. And as they measured the vision of different babies, they were very surprised to find that these babies had very, very poor vision. They realized that their vision was blurry. They realized and were able to measure that the babies couldn't see colors. They also were able to determine that these babies could not even move their eyes. They would have to move their head to try to follow and look at something. So they then began to do different types of experiments, and they did experiments on different types of animals and things. And one of the experiments that they did is that they blindfolded these monkeys that were just born, they had a theory that maybe if a child or an animal does not receive enough light in their eyes, maybe that's why they don't see well when they're just born. So they took these monkeys and they blindfolded them and they kept them blindfolded so that they couldn't see any light for a period of three months. And after the monkeys turned three months old, they took off the blindfold and they measured their vision. And what they found out was that those monkeys were blind. They could not see anything. And so this was something that led them to think that light must have something to do with the development of vision. So they then took these monkeys and they 
basically presented them in a room that had different types of lighting. Some of the lights were very bright. Some of the lights were different colors. And they also presented the monkeys with different colored toys. And their thought was, if we present these different colored lights and different toys and different patterns and shapes, maybe this might help the monkeys to develop more vision. And what they then learned is that very quickly, these monkeys began to see. And they developed higher and higher levels of vision. And they found out by the time that these monkeys were about six months old, they had vision that was very similar to the vision of a normal six-month monkey. So from this particular type of study, they learned a couple of things. They learned, number one, is that vision is something that develops. It isn't where a baby or a baby monkey or a child is born with normal vision. And number two, they also learned that even if a child has reduced vision, there are exercises that you can perform that can help that monkey or that child to develop more and more vision. So the next thing, these doctors were very interested in trying to understand where is this vision developing? Is this something that develops just in the eyes or is this something that's happening within the brain? And they were able to study the way that light enters the eye and from the eye there are two nerves and these nerves are called the optic nerves and they go to the back of the brain and then from the back of the brain there are nerves that go to all of these different areas of the brain. And so they perform different types of studies where they were able to measure the size of the brain cells. And what they were able to determine was that when these children or monkeys were very young and totally blind, they were able to see that the cells in the brain were very, very small. They were not developed. But as these monkeys received the visual stimulation and were exposed to light and colors and patterns, they then were able to see how these cells in the brain began to grow. And as the brain cells started to grow, the monkeys developed more and more vision. So this was something that was very, very surprising because most people really thought that it was the eyes that produced all the vision. But from this, we learned that vision is taking place in the brain and that there are different regions of the brain that control different things. For example, the very back of your brain is called the occipital lobe of the brain. 
And that is where the information from the eyes first goes to the occipital lobe in the back of the head. And in the very center of the occipital lobe of the brain, you could feel with your fingers, there's a bump right in the very, very center. Well, that bump in the center is the part of the brain that gives you the ability to see small details. So when you're reading a book or you're identifying a person's face, somebody who's across the street, you're using that center region of the occipital lobe of the brain to see those details. Now, what we also know is that region of the occipital lobe of the brain also gives us our color vision. So when a baby is exposed to more colors, it causes those brain cells to develop and become bigger and bigger, and this is how we are able then to see colors. Now, on the right-hand side of the back of the brain, we have learned that that region on the right brain, it gives us our ability to see objects on our left side. That is called the peripheral vision. And the left side of the brain gives us our peripheral vision on the right side. So when we see a child who may not have very good peripheral vision, we now know that we need to try to stimulate that part of the brain to develop the peripheral vision. Now, there's another region of the brain that covers the right and the left sides, but it's more towards the middle of the brain. And that's called the parietal lobe of the brain. And the parietal lobe of the brain, it controls how we move the eyes. It controls the eye muscles for movement. The left parietal lobe of the brain is also involved in reading. So when we're reading words, the information goes to the left parietal lobe of the brain, and that's how we're able to figure out what these words are. And the right parietal lobe of the brain is involved in science and mathematics and also in many aspects of art and drawing. And then we have the frontal lobe of the brain, and that is right behind your forehead area. And that is the part of the brain that is really involved in high-level thinking. When we're doing problem-solving, we use that particular region of the brain. So it's very interesting to see how the entire brain is involved in that process of vision. And if a child has a problem with the eyes, or maybe there's an eye disease, this can affect the development of these brain cells. Now, what's very important to remember and to learn from tonight's lecture is that if a child has a problem with the eyes, 
and it is not treated early enough, these particular types of problems can become permanent. They might be with the child forever. And the age that is really very important is that we want to try and treat these visual problems before the child is seven years of age. That seems to be a very important time period. If a child does not have these visual problems treated by the time that he or she is seven, these vision problems are usually permanent. And there's not a whole lot that you could do to improve upon it. But when we examine a child who is one month old or three months old, and we identify that there's a problem, we could then go ahead and begin the treatment. And we usually find that these kids, by the time that they're three, their vision is very, very strong. So the good news about this is that the earlier that we could diagnose a problem, the better that we can perform different types of treatments. Now, this does not mean, it does not mean that every type of eye disease can be cured. We wish it was where we could cure every eye disease, but we cannot do that. But if we do evaluate a child and we find that they have a vision problem, maybe that they need glasses, maybe they have something called nystagmus where their eyes shake from side to side, or maybe the child has albinism where there's not enough color in the eye, we could still begin these different types of visual stimulation treatments And as these kids grow older, their level of vision is much, much higher. But if we do not diagnose these problems until a later age, then it's much, much more difficult to try to get that kind of improvement. So the first thing that we do recommend is that all parents should tell their friends and family members who have just had a child, or if they have had a child, that that child really needs a complete eye examination within the first three months of life. Now, most kids never get their eyes checked until they're much, much older. But it's very important that they get their eyes checked as soon as possible. Now, we do not need the child to be able to talk to us but we have instruments where we could look inside the eye and we could tell whether or not that the child sees clear or blurry. We're able to determine very easily if a child needs glasses and we could prescribe glasses to a child right away. We're able to determine if a child's eyes are straight or maybe that they're crossed. And it's very important that we identify if the eyes are not straight because if the eyes are not straight, the child will see double vision. And if a child sees double vision, that really makes it hard for them to perform everyday activities. 
So we want to perform this type of an examination right away, and we are then able to measure all of these different levels of vision. We could tell you about the child's color vision. How close can a child see? How far can a child see? Does a child have good side peripheral vision? Does a child have depth perception? We could measure every one of these things. And if we then find that there is something that is weak, then we will tell the parents what kind of exercises should be performed at home. Now, these particular exercises and things that we recommend are very, very simple. And we don't mean that mom or dad has to sit with a child for hours at a time. But what we're saying is that if the parents can create a room or modify their home so that it is visually stimulating for the child, it will then promote the development of vision. So the first thing that we have to think about is the brightness of the home. For most children, they are going to develop more vision if the room has enough light that they're able to see things. But we do not necessarily want the child to be in a room that is completely dark. If we have a room that is painted black and we close the blinds and the window shades, that would be almost the same thing as if we blindfolded the child and the brain would not grow. So we do need to make certain that the room has some light. That's going to involve usually having the room to be some shade of white. It might be an off-white, it might be a tannish white, it might be a slight bluish white, but usually some shade of white paint is going to be very, very helpful. And that's going to increase the brightness of the room. The second thing that we recommend that we do is that we use contrast and colors. If we have a room that is all white, a child who has vision problems, they really won't be able to see the corners of the room. Everything just looks white, and they don't know anything about this room. So we could use different colors, and we recommend that you just use primary colors. So you might buy a little bit of blue paint, a little bit of red paint, a little bit of green paint. And we'll start first on the door jam. And what we'll do is that the wooden frame that houses the opening of where the door goes, there's usually molding that sticks out there. And we could paint that red, for example. Every one of the door gems in the house or the hallway, we could paint that red. And then this way, when you're carrying your child and you go through a door opening, the child's always going to see red. And when the child later starts to crawl and crawls through these door openings, the child's always going to see red. And that red is going to trigger to the child, well, I'm going into a different room. 
And this makes it much easier for them to crawl and later to walk. If we don't have these particular types of borders, many of the kids with low vision, they don't even want to move because they're afraid that if they start to crawl, they might bump into the corner and those corners are sharp and it's going to hurt. So we could create a pattern so that Maybe on the door jams of the bathroom and the child's room and your room, maybe we'll paint those door jams red. Now, we could also do things in different other corners of the room where two walls meet. Maybe we want to put a stripe of paint from the ceiling to the floor, and maybe that'll be a blue stripe that will identify to the child. That's where a corner of the room is. And maybe where the windows are, maybe you're going to paint that framing of it with a green stripe. And you could paint these very, very quickly because we're not really using a lot of paint. We could just get some masking tape, leave about two inches, and then we'll just go ahead and stroke it with a brush. Or you could use a roller. And that way, we have these different colors. Now, what's kind of neat about this, too, is that when people come into the room and they look at it, they're going to say, wow, I just love the way that you've decorated it with these colors. It's, it's so nice. People won't really know that you're doing it for vision. But it is something that makes a child's room look very, very nice. Now, other things that you could do is that you could also think about wall coverings. What could we do to the walls? Or you could go ahead and you could simply paint colored balloons on there, red, green, yellow, orange. So it just looks like there's such a bunch of balloons floating on the wall. And when you do paint these types of things, we don't want them to be too high. In other words... You might be six feet tall, so if you put the center of the picture at six feet, it's good for you. But your child's going to be on the floor. So we could put these particular types of pictures and things much lower to the floor, which makes it easier for your child to see. You could also go to the home improvement stores. You could go to Michael's and all of these other types of stores and they also have these other types of patterns. These might be uh, patterns of a dog or a cat. And you could buy these patterns, and you could go ahead and just stick them on the wall. Other people, they buy the patterns, they trace it, and then they paint it. But I say do whatever is going to be the fastest and the easiest for you. So now... In this room for your child, every main wall, there's a visual image. And no matter which wall your child looks at, she's going to receive visual stimulation because of these colors, these primary colors of things that you put there. Now, we also then want to do things for the floor, okay? It's nice to have, whether it's hardwood floor or carpeting, 
but we can also do things that make it even more visually stimulating. So if your child's playing on the floor, you can buy blankets or there's sheets and it might be Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck or it might be Thomas the Tank Train. And you could lie these types of sheets or blankets on the floor and you could let your child play right on top of that. So now as they're looking towards the ground, there's visual stimulation. We also recommend that you're going to use different types of toys. Now these don't have to be fancy toys. These could be toys that are even picked up at a garage sale. But many times you might see blocks, blocks that are six to eight, eight inches in size. Some might be circular, some are triangular, some are rectangles. They're of different colors. But let your child play with these. Let your child try to stack these. These are toys and things that your child will be able to use both hands to manipulate. He'll be able to crawl around them. He could throw them. All sorts of different things that they could do with these big toys. But these kinds of toys are going to be much more visually stimulating. You can look for stuffed animals. Stuffed animals are often very large and the kids will like to look at them and play with them. Now, we also want to do things with the lighting, too, because at nighttime, we need to turn on some light for the kids. And some of the things that are really helpful now is that there are many different types of light bulbs. Now, the old-fashioned incandescent light bulbs, they are still very, very good. They're nice because of the fact that they're very affordable. They're easy to install. And we can get them in different wattage. When you have your appointment with the eye doctor, the eye doctor will tell you what type of light bulb to use. You know, for some kids, they may have a eye disease where they need a lot of light. But then other kids may have a disease such as albinism where they see better if it's not too bright. So the doctor will tell you what wattage bulb to use and what type of bulb to use. In many cases, today there are new light bulbs available that are called the LED. That's a light-emitting diode, and the advantage of these bulbs are, number one, they do not use as much electricity. Number two, they're available in a wider range of brightnesses. Number three, they work in lamps that also have a dimmer switch. And number four, they're available in different colors. Now, one of the things that we know for a lot of children nowadays is that if children have diseases of the retina, maybe the child is born with retinopathy of prematurity. 
Or maybe the child has retinitis pigmentosa. Or maybe the child has albinism. These are all eye diseases that affect the retina. Now, what we now know about these eye diseases is that if we use light that has too much blue light in it, it is damaging to the retina. So for these children, we would recommend an LED bulb that has a temperature of less than 5,000 degrees. And your doctor will write this down for you. So if you have an older child who is reading a lot and studying, we want to make certain that his or her desk lamp that they use where they study, it has the correct color. Because if they use a bulb that's too white with a lot of blue in it, it's going to make their eyes tired and not be as good for them. In some cases, we will also recommend fluorescent light bulbs. And these will be cases for certain types of eye conditions. The doctor will tell you what type of fluorescent bulb, what color temperature, and how many wattage to use. So these are all things that your eye doctor should do for you. Now, there are many cases also where at school, a child may not be able to see quite as well if they're trying to read under a fluorescent light bulb. And most schools still use the fluorescent light bulbs. So we will write a note and give it to the teachers, and the teachers will often then purchase a special desk lamp for that child and make things much, much easier. So we know how to use paint, color, lighting, and different types of toys to help a a, a young, young child. And these types of things will help them even as, as a child grows older, even into adulthood. For example, when I began to lose my vision a few years ago, Some of the things that I had so much difficulty was with eating. You know, I could feel my plate. I could feel a bowl, but if I didn't feel it, I didn't even know that it was there. And so on our dinner table, we had a white tablecloth, and we had white plates, and my wife would serve me rice in a white bowl. And when I look at the table, everything is white. I couldn't see anything. So we then made some changes. My wife said, oh, I'm going to get a colored tablecloth. And that made it so much easier because then suddenly all the plates and the bowls, I could see those. And then she bought me a bowl that was really helpful. It was a dark brown colored bowl. And when she put rice in there, I could see the contrast of the rice. Oh, it made me so happy. (laughs) I was able to eat all of my rights much easier. But we could use these different principles of color and lighting and contrast in every room that we have, and this is going to make things easier for the person with low vision, and it will also promote the development of their vision.
these same principles are things that could be shown to the teachers at school. Now, when our kids are working on computers, we want to think about the same principles as well. We want to get our child a computer, and we want to customize the settings of that computer so that we could change the colors of the background and the colors of the text. You know, for some kids, let's say that your child has albinism or another condition where their eyes are sensitive to the light. Well, if we set the computer so the color of their computer screen is blue and we have the letters on the screen to be yellow, that makes things a lot easier for them to see. So we want to talk to the person at the computer store and we want them to show us how we could customize these features. It's very easy to do. We want to do the same thing with a keyboard. Maybe you know about this, but there's different colored keys on the keyboard. So for a lot of kids, if the keys are black and white letters, they could see the keys much easier. And these keys are even magnified so they could type much, much better. We also will recommend that in the yard, you could do things in your backyard and your front yard to make things easier to see. We could have different colored pavers in the backyard so that the child with vision problems could follow the red brick pavers and follow the path to go to the swimming pool or if it's in the front yard, and we got a basketball court, we could go ahead and paint the stripes and the keys a real nice contrasting color so when they're playing basketball, everything was going to be much easier to see out there. So overall, there are many, many different types of ideas, and I'm certain that all of you have different ideas that you could share with others. But at this time, what I'd like to do is I'd like to open it up to any of you if you have any comments or any other suggestions of things that you have done with uh, your students or your children, or if you have questions for me, uh, go ahead and we will answer those questions. So to mute your phone, I think you press star six. And is there anybody out there who has any comments or questions? How about you, Liz? Any questions or comments? No, Dr. Bill. Thank you. Yolanda? No, Dr. Bill, but um, sometimes parents refuse to change to a couple of changes because they love to go. I mean, when we go to the home base, sometimes the house is very dark. And as the easiest thing is open the blinds. But sometimes they say, they li I live in this apartment that the parents want privacy. So they need to have a, at least artificial light. Oh, okay. You find that a lot of parents, they do not turn off enough lights in that home, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, the lamps and the light bulbs are very affordable, too, so that's good. 
that's good that they go to the Home Depot and those stores like that. Does anybody have any other questions or comments that they'd like to ask? Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and leave you some contact information for me. If you do have any questions, you could contact me by email. And my email is Dr. Bill Foundation. That's D R B I L L F O U N D A T I O N, Dr. Bill Foundation at Gmail. Or you could call me at 310-597-2549. So once again, I thank all of you, and I thank Dr. Joe Yerka for recording this. And please remember, you can go to BrailleInstitute.org and also to AirsLA. Org. Oh, yes, you got a question? <laughs> yes, I have a question. Is Agualesca Rubio, and I want to know if you can recommend me any catalog that people can buy um, monoculars or, or any kind of equipment for visually handicapped? And is this for your son? No. It's for another person that has a mother that is almost blind. You know, she has visual problems. Oh, But she wants to buy a monocular, and I don't know what catalog I should look. Um, Where does this family live? Do you know? Over here in Corona. Corona? But the mother comes and goes because she's uh, from Colombia. (laughs) Oh, Okay. Well, the best way, you know, a catalog isn't going to give you the ability to actually try it. If there's Uh a way that this child or the mother could come to, you know, a clinic, if Uh they could come to our clinic, for example, then I could show them and actually they could actually try it. Okay, that's one particular option. And the other option would be, is to have them go to the Braille Institute that has mm-hmm. clinics okay. to try uh, these types of devices. Okay. Thank you so okay. much. Okay, great. Does anybody else have any other questions? Oh, hi, Rosanna. Yeah, do you have a question? Well, I just wanted to um, there is a catalog um, that we use to uh, for families kind of to look at if they're you know, if their insurance can't afford it and they kind of want to pay out of pocket after hopefully they get an exam with you guys and they're able to show them the devices. But there is a catalog called LS&S, and they have a website. It's lssproducts.com. Since that person just said that they out of in and out of the country. Okay. Could you, so could you say it again, please, the email? It's yes. LSS. Products, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S dot com. En español, Rosana. I think mom prefers Spanish. No, that's okay. I understood. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, that's great. Great information. Okay, does anybody else have any questions or other comments you'd like to share? 
Okay, great. All right. Thank you, everybody. Good night.